you know, you can focus on that as a negative, or you can say to God, what does it mean for me that I am wired differently than a lot of other women? Welcome to Coaching with Kelly, a podcast that gives you the tools that you need to invest in this season of your life. Join life coach Kelly Tibbetts as she interviews inspiring leaders who help you identify your why, name your strengths, and value your energy, soul, and thoughts. This podcast will help you live a brave, creative, purpose-filled life. Welcome to Coaching with Kelly. I hope that today's time will help you live the brave, creative, purpose-filled life I believe that you were created to live. And today I have an incredible guest with me. Um, Pastor Steph is here with us today, Stephanie, and I'm so thankful that you are here. Would you share a little bit about yourself with um, people who maybe have heard of you a lot? I know I have some friends who we are all big fans of the last book you put out, um, or maybe someone who hasn't heard of you before. If you could just share a little bit about your ministry and who you are. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Kelly. It's awesome to be here and to connect with your with your folks. And how what an interesting time right now where yeah. all of a sudden, like people who might be far, far away are just as close <laughs> as the people who you're close to. So, you know, we, if we ever doubted that we we're all part of one big family, I think right. we, we, we should see that now. Yeah, um, yeah I, um, I've been a pastor here in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, St. Paul area for 12 years, mm-hmm. started my church, Mill City Church, 12 years ago in 2008 and um, live here with my husband and uh, we've got a housemate and then two very hyper Springer Spaniel dogs. Although um, one of my Springer Spaniels just got fixed this week. So he's not okay. as hyper. At the moment, he's not as hyper, but he's, yeah. he's, he's working through it. And uh, yeah, just honestly, being a pastor has been the, the most, um, I, say, I guess vocationally, like the deepest honor of my life. And I'm mm-hmm. so grateful to, to be leading my church and um, this year as a pastor has been, I would say it's been the most meaningful year for me as a pastor, even though I wouldn't say it was the best or exciting or good, but uh, it's been really rich with meaning. And I, and for that, I feel really grateful. And then in my, in my free time, I teach at Bethel seminary in St. Paul here. So people who aren't familiar with the, with the Midwest, Minneapolis and St. Paul are actually like right next to each other. So they're, they're border towns. And um, so St. Paul where I teach is just 15 minutes away from Minneapolis where I lead my church. And so I teach mostly preaching classes and leadership classes. And uh, then for, with, I guess with the rest of my free time, I like to do writing and podcasting. And um, I do a podcast with my friend, Joe Sexton called Lead Stories Podcast for, for anybody who's out there listening, wanting to do some leadership. And then, um, yeah, wrote Stay Curious. Last year it came out. And then during COVID, I've been writing my second book, which mm-hmm. comes out in May. It's already on um, online places, wherever books are called Make a Move. And the subtitle for that is How to Stop Wavering and Make Decisions in a Disorienting World. And so I did not know when we picked that title, how disorienting the world was going to be, Um, but it's relevant. So that comes out in May and both books are a miracle because I'm so extroverted. I can't believe I sat in a room long enough to type them out by myself. That is amazing because I was rereading Stay Curious today and I was like, you are such a good writer because you're also such a good speaker and you're such a good leader. Um, part of what I do is I'm an Enneagram coach and I followed you long enough to know you are an Enneagram 8. I yep. have the honor of raising an Enneagram 8 female leader myself. Oh, good for you. Good so, for you. And I know yeah. how to pray for you. I know how to pray for you. Well, when your book came out, I was like, I got you a book. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, tell us a little bit about how understanding the Enneagram has been helpful to you to understand why you think, feel, and do life and lead the way you do. Oh man, it's been the most helpful thing for me. I've always been someone who's interested in 
in surveys and assessments because uh, I was a psychology major actually. Okay. So I find I found that stuff interesting. That's probably why I chose a psychology major. I knew I was going to go into ministry by the time I was choosing my major, but I thought, you know, I just really want to understand myself and other people differently. And so, I mean, we, we got part of being a, an undergrad psychology major is that you're the guinea pigs for the master's students. I don't know if people all know that. I didn't they, know that. Yeah. They do all these tests on you <laughs> to like make sure that you, that, that they, that they know how to do the tests right. So who knows if we were accurately assessed, but the point is, is that I've just found any sort of assessment that can give you feedback on yourself just adds to your bucket of self-awareness and uh, emotional intelligence is a really high value for me and something that I always will have to work on because I'm an eight. And so uh, the first part of, of emotional intelligence is self-awareness and you can't have others awareness without good self-awareness. And so the being, I'd say all the tests that I've taken and all those things put together has given me a great picture of myself, but what I appreciate about, about the Enneagram so much is just the invitation for growth and the mm-hmm. invitation for celebrating who you are, but also not being satisfied and exactly. saying, you know, I can celebrate who God's made me to be and also see myself as someone who gets the opportunity to continue to grow, mm-hmm. not an obligation, not a should, but like an opportunity to say, I can continuously become a more integrated version of myself. And I think that's why it's really mattered to me. Um, I think as a, as an eight, who's a woman, of course, being more rare, um, in Myers-Briggs land, I'm an ENTJ, which is also really unusual mm-hmm. for women. Um, it's actually one of the n- number one Myers-Briggs types for, for lead pastors, of course, who are mostly men. And so um, it is rare. And I think I, I, had a, I had a professor in my, one of my leadership classes back in undergrad, actually, who was looking at some assessments before I had the Enneagram. Um, and uh, basically, some of these personality inventories were were, were reflecting back to me that my, some of the traits that I had were more stereotypically masculine in how I led. Well, when you're 22 and someone tells you that, like, that's not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 22 Christian world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she, she was, she was awesome. And she just said to me, you know, you can focus on that as a negative, or you can say to God, what does it mean for me that I am wired differently than a lot of other women? And how do I, how am I going to let God use that in my life? Because it matters. The difference actually matters. It's a, in a way, because she didn't, so she didn't try to put it down and say, oh, it's not a big deal. She said, oh, it actually is a big deal and it matters. So how it's going to matter in your life is your choice. And I remember that conversation. I remember where we were sitting and uh, Nikki Daniels is her name, Dr. Nikki Daniels. And I, I very much took that to heart. And so when I, so the Enneagram gave me more language and more, pictures about that and helped me to, to kind of recognize this is the same kind of thing. Like you're, you're, it's not as usual for there to be women who are eights. And um, so what are you going to do with that? And how are you going to empower other people? And what does it mean for women who, who do lead from more stereotypical feminine ways to, to elevate their voices and to say, yeah, sure. I might fit in the room with some of the guys because of my personality, but I get to also create space for the women who, whose voice matters just as much, who might not come in with the same force and gusto as an Enneagram 8 might. Well, I'm, I'm so thankful for you. In 2017, you just put out a Facebook post, and, it, and I just stepped into leading. I led as an interim lead pastor at my church, but under the title of executive pastor, because as an Enneagram 2, and I didn't have an example like you to follow, I didn't know how to do the leadership piece as well as I could have. Yeah. But you just put out, like, hey, does anyone know any women who preach? And someone from my church put my name up there, and my name ended up next to Nadia Boltz-Weber's name. So did I print <laughs> it out and put it on a postcard? Yeah, I did. No big but, deal. Yeah, no big deal at all. Just the most <laughs> yeah. amazing woman. But, and all of those are still up there on and they're still there yep if anyone's wondering 
are the women who preach. And, and now I feel like I get to be a voice in New England for these women who are growing into leadership and helping them believe in themselves. And so that's part of why God gives you the Enneagram eight strength. He gave it to my daughter as well, because there are big things for you to go and do and you need that strength and personality for those big things. (laughs) And someday we won't even say like, Oh, it's not very female. It's just be like, it's just human. Right. Oh yeah. And I I already, I'm excited about that. Oh, I know you do. Yeah. But I think it's helpful just for me to say to women who or yeah, Enneagram twos and others who might say like, oh, that's kind of what a lot of women are. It's like, no, 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 no. That is not the way to approach it at all. And because they're, I mean, to flip the conversation I had with Professor Nikki and say, oh, well, a lot of women are Enneagram twos. What does that mean for me? Well, that means there's a lot of women who identify what it's like to be you right. and to have your personality type. And so being a person who lives into God's best for you in that personality is just as important for those women as a powerful eight is as a any as an example because there is no reason for someone who's a two to try to be like an eight. That's silly. Yeah, no, I loved Ian Crum was on Carrie Newhoff's podcast once and Carrie was explaining like how do you help people who aren't three seven eights lead? And Ian's like, we all lead. Fours lead, twos lead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we all lead. So um, one of my favorite parts about your book is the fact that, um, and it's amazing, and I'll be posting it, hoping I saw today that people can buy it, and you're even going to autograph it and send it out this year. So I will. If a people little bit. message me, I will, I'll sign them for you. That's amazing. But I bought it because of the title, How Questions and Doubts Can Save Your Faith. My Enneagram 8 daughter, you know, like I thought this is like center of where she is. She's a huge fan of Richard Rohr. Um, but then I was rereading it, and I got to the part in the middle, a chapter on grief, where you were um, really highly influenced by Pete Scazzaro. He is one of like the top three influences in my life. I got mm. to see him in 2003 and emotionally healthy spirituality transformed so much of who I am. And I thought those five points were so poignant today, even though they were written a couple of years ago. And so I'm sure there are people who are sitting here today. And I even think of like my mom, you know, she's like, can you just come have pancakes and our states border each other? And they just, you know, they closed. Oh, Massachusetts yeah. said you can't come down. And I'm thinking there's just so many people in grief right now. And it mm-hmm. seems almost like we are struggling with saying we're in grief because it doesn't feel weighty at the same time it's blown up everything about how we've done things. So as a pastor, I mean, I've watched you caring for your community and pivoting and providing like amazing resources and a way for people to really connect, even though we can't be in the building. What's your word to the person who's feeling some grief this morning? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, like what you said is really true about how we're having trouble naming it. Mm. Um, And maybe one of the most helpful phrases, a psychologist from the university of Minnesota here, I'm forgetting her name. She, I think, is the one who coined the term ambiguous grief. And I feel like it's helpful to say like, oh, okay, the prefix is ambiguous. That's why it's hard to name. Right. It's ambiguous to say what we lost. Like, oh, I lost the ability to go across the state line. Yeah. And there's so much more. Yeah, there's so much more there. I lost a a rhythm that had Mm. given me courage. I lost, you know, I lost the opportunity to celebrate these things in the ways I wanted and adding all that up together, even one of those griefs, but putting them all together is a big bucket of ambiguous grief. It is. And so I just think that it's okay for us to acknowledge that unless you haven't been paying attention, you probably have a big bucket of ambiguous grief. Mm. And inside that bucket is probably some trauma as well. Mm. And we don't, we have a hard time with that word too, I think, because yeah. we think, oh, well, that tra- trauma means, and then we fill in the blank right. with something that seems like it is has a gravity that's that's deeper than whatever we've experienced but mm. if you've been alive in 2020 i think you've experienced some trauma like basic definitions of trauma would be things that are unexpected and mm. significantly alter your life so that's yeah. what a pandemic is right and so everyone has experienced some trauma and everyone is experiencing some grief even if you had some great things that happened this year right like that's okay and that's maybe the thing i'd want people to really hold on to is that mm. 
grief and joy and grief and appreciation and gratitude are not mutually exclusive. Mm. And, you know, all of our best friend, Brene Brown is always talking about how you can't selectively numb your emotions. And so the depth of grief you're actually willing to hold in this season, when we all have a, I'm going to use the word opportunity to hold grief well, is actually going to impact the depth of joy we can experience, maybe not tomorrow, but in our lives in general, that the expanding that comes from uh, in fact, there is a, something I wrote in Stay Curious. I remember, I'm, I'm forgetting my own quote, but just that, that grief actually is something that expands you and, and that it's something that, that gives you a capacity for emotion that other things don't. There's not too many other things that do that. And no. everyone wants to grow, right? We're leaders, right? We all want to grow. We all want to grow in our capacity. There's only one thing that grows your capacity and that is stress. Yeah. Like, right. And, I know we always have stress has got like a dirty word, but the stress that comes through saying, okay, I'm grieving and I need to move through grief does not feel good, but that's actually how you grow in your capacity in the future. So I just wonder what God might want to do with the capacity that God could grow in us in this season. And if we're willing to do it and hold it. And I think, you know, you and I both have this common kickboxing thing in common and like learning how to do that is one way that I understand what you're saying on a soul level, because yeah. obviously physically that's what we experience. You have to pull that muscle. You have to grow that muscle. Yeah. And yeah, totally. you can't, you can't just expect to get up one day and run a 5k. <laughs> I mean, you can do it, but you're you, gonna, you, you could, gonna well, I, I literally don't think I could right now, to be honest, but like you'd have to push yourself a little bit every day until you're stressed and without the stress, there's no growth. Right. And yeah. uh, grief is really stressful, but the promise of it is growth. And that hope that is still always with us, you know, part of why you are are a pastor, why I was a pastor for as long as I believe that the hope of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, that he is with us through this. He is, yes, in some ways growing us. Some of us are growing in our capacity for future joy, but that the grief is also that moment where he's promising us, like, as you mourn, I'm with you, right? And I'm comforting you. Such an intimate thing. Right. I will say that has been times of deep grief in my life have been when mm-hmm. I most deeply experienced God. Yeah. I know that's not everybody's experience because it can kind of feel like dark night of the soul and like, where mm-hmm. is God? But mm-hmm. I've asked many people as a pastor. I've asked many people, when you look back on your life, when did you feel close to God? And almost I'd say 90% of the answers, if I put them together, the answers are about negative things that they saw as negative experiences that maybe they wouldn't use the word negative anymore, right. but hard things, difficult things. The that hard happen. thing. Yep. During that time, you wouldn't have asked for it. And looking back, you wouldn't have traded it. Well, you know, going into 2020, none of us were prepared for what was coming. But going into 2021, we have a little bit of a sense that life is different. And we're going to have to change what we're doing. And so I love that you're offering a 2021 planning opportunity. This podcast will be out before then. Would you want to share before we close um, how people could join you for that as a way to look to the next year and believe in God that there is hope and there is a future? Yeah, yeah. So, so Joe Saxon and I have done this practice called Hello Goodbye for, for many years now. And I think it's, it's in Joe's life, I think it goes back till she was like in her 20s. Of course. And, uh, <laughs> and it actually should be called Goodbye Hello because the first part okay. of the process is saying goodbye to the year we're in. Right. And then hello to the new year. But I just go with whatever Joe wants. But of course. So it's now Hello Goodbye. But the idea is to say like we, we do need to process this year. We do need to look back on it and process it because of what we just talked about. But we also do need to be prepared for the next year. And I know it's hard to say what prepare what preparation looks like when, when we're facing uncertainty, but there is actually a lot of ways to prepare for mm. a new year and what God might want to re- like want you to receive even when there is uncertainty. 
And so uh, I, I think that we just want to continue to guide people through that process. And we recognize how significant of a year it is to do that. And so we, we call it Hello Goodbye Redefined because we did redefine most of the process. It's, it's still the same bones, but everything within it we changed to fit what's really going on. Um, so yeah, people are invited to check that out on our website, leadstoriesmedia.com. You can see there's a link there for Hello Goodbye, or you can go to leadstoriesmedia.com slash HG2020. And uh, this weekend, uh, or two weekends from now, December 13th, so whenever you're listening to this, December 13th, um, 7 Central, so I think it'd be 8 o'clock p.m. your time yep. on the East Coast, uh, we're going to have an online event where we do the first part of the process with each other. So I know like being with each other is a unique thing right now, but together to say, hey, we're going to go through the process of reviewing the year, beginning the process of reviewing the year and releasing the year to God together. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about trauma a little bit and name some of that stuff. And so that's a free event. Um, just sign up and let us know you want to come and we'll be able to make sure that everybody gets the link. But, and if people can't use that time, we'll, we'll give it to them for afterwards. You can, you can watch it later, but it'd be fun if people are all there on the same time around the country. Some of our friends in the UK have already said like, I will not get up in the middle of the that, <laughs> but I will we'll listen to much. it in the morning. Um, but yeah. And, and if you get the resource in advance, then you can kind of walk through that together and, I just really encourage people to try to fight for that time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously right now, as many of us are looking at our quarantine buddies, we're like, I can't get away from you, but just ask them for the space, right. even if it's just a corner of the house Absolutely. for a little bit of time to just do that reviewing. And sometimes people feel like they missed it because there's too much going on in December. I'm like, that's fine. Do it into January 15th, but whatever it is, like save the date. I usually save the day that I'm going to do that process um, like months in advance so yeah. that it's protected. And so I uh, just really want to encourage people to, to, to do, perhaps this year is one of the most important years Absolutely. of reflection on where we've come and on preparation for where, where God might be leading us. And thank you for making that so incredibly affordable. I know the whole actual event, the journal that comes with it is like $5. I mean, you've yeah, worked right. so hard to keep this something that everybody can do. And yeah, sometimes we do have to say, I'm going to set aside an hour because the yeah. benefit that will come from that. And so, well, as we end, um, I know that people can find you everywhere. I love to follow you on Instagram. What are some of the ways people can connect as we go into 2021, especially so that we can get your next book? You said it's already online? Yep. Anywhere books are sold, just look up Make a Move. And, uh, and my name, Stephanie Williams O'Brien. I mean, my, I, I like Pastor Steph, but there are lots of other Pastor Steph. Are there? Okay. Uh, You're the only one I know. So, okay. Stephanie Williams O'Brien. I I actually had to borrow the, um, the Instagram handle and the Twitter handle from two other Pastor Stephs who had the handle, but weren't using it. Okay. And I wrote really nice emails to them about, actually, I think one of them was, was in the, was in the New England area. Okay. And I was like, hi, I know you're not using this. Can I have it? So, so my, so you can find me as Pastor Steph anywhere on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, but uh, if you're looking on Amazon or, or you know, one of the indie bookstores or something, just put Stephanie Williams O'Brien, and then both Stay Curious and Make a Move should come up. And pre-orders really do help authors who are who are starting out like me. And so if you're able to to pre-order it, then um, that really will help us. So even though it's not coming out till May, uh, anybody who's willing to do that now <laughs> would be really helpful. So <laughs> well, I will be sure to try to get the people that I'm pouring life into to um, be able to hear your words. So Stephanie Williams O'Brien, thank you so very much for being with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. It was great to be with y'all. And I hope that our time together today has really helped you learn how to invest in yourself and in your relationships and into your dreams. Thanks for listening to Coaching with Kelly. Join us next time for more conversations on how to truly invest in this season of your life. For more information, or if you would like Kelly Tibbetts to be your life coach, you can find Kelly Tibbetts Life Coach on Facebook, or you can visit kellytibbetts.com.